Thanks for listening to this podcast of Bet MGM Tonight. Our show is live every weeknight from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern on Odyssey radio stations around the country, odyssey.com, as well as the Odyssey app. Joining us right now on the Roman guest line is, drum roll please, anybody? There you go, group effort. Mike Morgan of ESPN. Mike, thank you for joining the show. How are you, sir? I'm good, guys. How are you? We're doing well. We're hanging in there. We're sweating our best. We're very upset about college basketball yesterday. We were all on uh, Duke to just win. And <laughs> that was the biggest meltdown I've ever seen in my life. That was bad. Yeah. That was bad. But yeah, it looked good for about uh, 35 minutes. Yeah. And then I don't know what the hell happened. Mike, What that line to me seemed fishy from the beginning. I even texted, DM'd multiple people who had communications with bookmakers because two felt – Two to three felt small. Um, what do we make about what happened with Duke last night? Because it felt very similar to me now looking back after the fact, really to the game against Gonzaga where they look really, really amazing in the first half. And then Ben Caro goes down with dehydration where he had to get an IV in the locker room against Gonzaga. And now you're getting reports that he loses seven pounds per game in sweat. He's got a special elixir. They're working on his thighs, and then he ends up coming back into the game and is basically on a milk carton for the rest of it, and Duke ends up losing that. What do we make of mm. Duke, given given that two-game data? What, what was the line again, you said? I had it somewhere between two and three against Ohio yeah. State. Full game. Okay. I mean, that's – honestly, that's probably where I would put it if I was setting it. I mean, you're on, you're on the road. Uh I watched that same Ohio State team blow a 10-point lead in the second half to Florida. Yep. And Florida wins on a buzzer beater uh, on a neutral floor in Fort Myers. But, I mean, top to bottom, Duke is the more talented team. Look, I'm glad that you guys are talking about gambling um, on college basketball in November, December, because (laughs) I want people to be intrigued to watch the games. And let's be honest. I mean, why is football king? in america well the number one reason is it's the easiest sport to gamble on and there's fantasy football and so on and so forth all that being said (laughs) to 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 try to handicap college basketball in november december is almost impossible Mm -hmm. it's almost impossible you look at the results and i do look i mean i do a lot of sec acc which is chock full of top 20 25 teams and I'm here to tell you, like, I'm not surprised anymore when one of those teams gets upset by a mid-major because in November, December, teams are still gelling. And I'll give you the ultimate X factor that, that people are going to catch on to eventually, but I like to give you guys nuggets before they become mainstream, right? That's, that's what you have me on Thank this show you. to do. The, 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 what's happening now, it used to be, well, how will – you know, a couple of freshmen gel with the juniors and seniors. Now it is, how does the 21-year-old transfer that hit the portal, how does he gel? Because he just played at a mid-major and averaged 20 points a game. He was a star. And and, and now he doesn't even start. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, I mean, in, in a way, it's a great way for a team to, even, even Calipari is doing this now at Kentucky. He's not signing five McDonald's All-Americans. He's signing two or three, and he's bringing in three grad transfers out of the portal. So he's not playing a bunch of 19-year-olds and losing to, to grown men. And that's all that's going on right now. So when we talk, when we had this conversation in January, 
we'll know how everybody's gelling. Every team will have 12, 13 games under their belt. When they've got five or six, we don't know what we're dealing with, which is why to handicap these games so early in the year, it's really hard. You're, you're, making, you're earning your status as an elite handicapper if you can make money doing it on college hoops in November, December. So, but back to Bancaro, is there anything that we should glean from the fact that it seems like there is, I don't know, some sort of either hydration issue or <laughs> some sort of like physical issue with him uh, in these games? Like he said, this has never happened to him before. I don't know. I mean, I, I I wouldn't dare wager a guess on that. I really don't know. Uh, you know, I think we're only going to know what, what they decide to tell us. And if, if I know anything about Duke, <laughs> they're pretty good at keeping stuff Mom's in-house. Yeah, so, I mean, if, if they don't want you to know, you're not going to know for a while. Um, I know this much. The kid is an immense talent. Yep. And probably, you know, it, it, barring anything serious – this is the kind of kid that could be the player of the year in college basketball, win the Naismith and be the number one pick in the draft. He's that good. He's that unique. Imagine if Ben Simmons, who I covered and called a lot of his games at LSU, imagine if Ben Simmons had a, a jump shot. It could actually hit shots outside of, you know, three feet. This kid has all the skills of Ben Simmons with the size and the handle, but he, he is a good looking shooter. So I, I just I hope whatever it is, it's nothing serious because I want to see this kid play the rest of the year. I'm right with you. He kind of gives me a Kyle Kuzma vibes, like same size and frame, but more like in tune with playing his position and, and knowing what he's supposed to do. He does over dribble a little bit, but that size is, is definitely there and the skill is there as well. And the playmaking as well. Just a big guy with guard skills. But man, Kuzma and Ben Simmons also two very different players but similarities across the board I got a question for you uh in college football uh we've been asking all of our guests this especially when it comes to the college football because this is a huge week Georgia against Alabama that line is six and a half right now Georgia is favored neutral side of course I want a seven and a half so bad like I I, I want I want Alabama <laughs> to be favored by seven or dogs by seven and a half because I'm going to jump on it I still might jump on them anyway just because I yeah. have a lot of faith in Alabama I know they have not been the team that is blowing everybody out that we're used to. But I think there's a little beauty in that, from especially from the standpoint of Coach Nick Saban, to where we're expected, you saw the rant, we're expected to go win by 40, 50 points. We just win games. And part of me also thinks that maybe Georgia comes out there and plays not to lose and make a mistake because it is Alabama, rather than go out there and treat them just like any other team that they're playing. What's your feel in that game? I really want to take Alabama, but all year, Georgia's won me so much money. And Alabama really yeah. hasn't. Yeah, uh, you know, ordinarily when, when Georgia's playing, the safe bet's been the under, right? Because yeah. the other team's not scoring any points against that defense. I just had Georgia a couple weeks ago. I mean, it's sick how good how good they are in defense. It's like all-time SEC good in terms of what they've been able to do this year. And it's, it's not just Jordan Davis, who will likely be on my Heisman ballot, uh, but it, th- those linebackers, N'Kobe Dean is outstanding. And they're they're just good all over the place, and they suffocate you. But here's the thing about this game, and this is probably deep in the back of your mind when you're thinking, should I take Bama and the points? Alabama is not going to get spooked. Right. So I, there's, there's, two, there's two overlying intangibles in this game that I think are huge. Number one, Alabama is not going to get spooked. They've been there, done that. They just got a huge scare from Auburn. Uh, Bryce Young is cool as a cucumber under pressure. I can't say enough about the job that he's done. And by the way, uh, if he balls out and they win that game, look for him to win the Heisman Trophy. Here's the other thing. Georgia 
has barely been tested all year. So we don't know if they're spook proof or not because they have nobody's even come close to spooking them. I mean, yeah. they, their games have been over in the second, third quarter almost all year. And so my point is, if Alabama is down a touchdown in the in the second half, I'm not worried about Alabama crumbling under pressure. If Georgia goes down ten in the first half, oh, yeah. there mm. is going to lose a, his mind. Yep. Oh, there's going to be a feeling in that dome in Atlanta, which is a good. Uh, 15 miles south of where I'm talking to you right now, there's going to be a feeling from Bulldog Nation like, oh, my God, here we go again. We can't beat these guys. Yeah. And and that is going to be omnipresent in that building. So I think that first quarter and that first half are so instrumental in how this game is going to take shape because of those two things. Uh, Mike, we got a couple minutes left here. Uh, out of all the new head coaches in college football, which one do you think finds success the earliest, and why is it not Brian Kelly? Most likely uh, Lincoln Riley. But hey, your, his your, press your, conference today was funny. Your, your thoughts <laughs> on the new coaches? Uh, gosh, I could do an hour on this guy. I know. I just did on the on the podcast. JC and Morgan, little plug. There you okay, go. the 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 answer the answer to the question, the way you phrased it, right, is Kelly because LSU really? is already set up to to win ten eleven games. Yeah. I mean, I realize coming off this year that might seem hard to believe. But they've got an NFL quarterback in Max Johnson. They've got NFL receivers. They've got NFL guys on defense. They just they just hit a – there was a lot of things wrong with LSU the last two years. Again, that's a whole other show. But they're wired to be uh, SEC championship good within 12 months. Southern Cal is, a, is more of a rebuild. I think Lincoln Riley in three years could restore what Southern Cal used to look like under Pete Carroll, but it's going to take more time for Brian Kelly walking right into LSU. He knew what he was doing. He left a 10 win program to go right. to a program that's going to win 11 or 12 and play for titles. And they will be able to do that sooner rather than later. Do you think it's uh do you blame either of them or think it's a cop out? Like you look at Brian Kelly, he obviously gets to the big game. He can't win the big game. Same thing with Lincoln Riley. Do you think, um, I feel like Lincoln Riley is avoiding the sec, but just like your thoughts. Cause I know a lot of people are ragging on these coaches, especially Brian Kelly, who gives, all of his kids like 10 minutes and then he's just gone. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's the nature of the beast. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, I'm not trying to defend it, but it's like, they're all doing it. So either they're all really bad human beings or maybe the <laughs> system's a little flawed. I think right? that's what it is. Right. And it's, I mean, that's yeah. a lot of money, Mike, to, to pass up. Like if you're going to fly me out to Hollywood and, man, right. and, and then the other thing with, see, I agree with you, but the other thing with Lincoln Riley is, all these decommits already at Oklahoma. He's already got his quarterback. I just, I yeah. feel like, I feel like he's just going to rebuild that program and he's going to be able to recruit in Cal He's already recruited in California. Yeah. I do too. And, and, you know, you, you, of course you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be allowed to do what he's doing a couple of years ago, but now you get the one-time transfer, no sit out. This is the, this is the new era of college football. Like it, it's a wild, wild West. We haven't even tapped into full NIL yet, but <laughs> kids are just going to be leaving. And when a coach leaves, he can, he can poach his players and take them with him, which is what Lincoln Riley is doing. It, it it, it's insanity in so many different ways. Yeah. You good? Yeah, no, that was good. All right. We got to get your prediction, though, before you get out of here, Mike. Georgia, Alabama, uh, of course, we have to ask you who's going to win that thing. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what. I, would, I, think Georgia, I think Georgia wins the game. But there is no way I'm giving Alabama six and a half points uh, at Nick Saban coaching. The last time, the last five times Nick Saban's been an underdog, they've won the game outright. Four of those times, two or three of them were in blowout fashion. So uh, there's no way I'm laying that kind of lumber with Nick Saban on the other sideline. And you like the under forty nine and a half? 
50 points? You think it's a, like one of those close games, maybe 17, 10 or something like that? Quickly. Yeah, gosh, that's a pretty low number. Yeah. I, ordinarily, I would say yes, but man, for a college football game, that's that's a little bit painstakingly low. So I would actually shy away from that. I, I that to me in any college football, even with elite defense. Here's the thing about college football compared to the NFL: elite defenses versus elite offense. Elite offense still wins. 